As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is the Week 10 edition. As we recap, we, I am Welsh, that is Jake Seeley, that is Brandon Funston. Find them on Twitter at All In Kid. Brandon Funston and myself at Is It The Welsh. We've got some potential breakouts. We've got some new starters. We've got some shares that we don't want. And unfortunately, we've got some injuries because we're walking out of week 10, not unscathed. And maybe the most unscathed, Mr. Jake Seeley, is Cooper Cup, who has apparently avoided serious ankle injury, but still might miss some time. This is a big old no bueno, my friend. Of course it is. You take the number one wide receiver off the table. But this is, I don't want that much interest in Van Jefferson. Sure, cool, whatever. I mean, like, this is just, this offense is done, broken. The team is done and broken, like, Kyron Williams coming back, got a lot of work in his first game. Well, a lot of snaps, not a lot of work, to be clear. A lot of snaps in his first game active. Like, that's going to fix anything. The offensive line is still trash. Matthew Stafford's still broken. The offense is still broken. Van Jefferson, deep league. Sure, I'll take a flyer on it. Cooper Cup. If I think this is very much the one thing you can say is it's like Jamar Chase. Uh, the tr- trade deadlines are about to approach. Uh, most likely the default is next week with Thanksgiving. Might be this week for some people. If you are a contender and you are you know, one or two losses, maybe even three, and you know your team is stout, and go trade for Cooper Cup right now, just like people are trading for Jamar Chase. Do you think the Rams, if, like, like take Stafford, I'll take that game we had to watch with no Stafford, and now no Cup, is it the worst-looking offense in the NFL? Is there a worse set of offensive players uh, than what that Rams would give you? Denver, maybe? Mm-hmm. No. I, I mean, they have Cortland Sutton. Take Denver, yeah. Uh, how yeah. about Houston? I mean, they got Damian Pierce. No, I guess Damian Pierce and Brandon Cooks is still okay. Damian I don't think Cooks there's a worse offense than the... You're, you're just Los talking Angeles about Rams. what they look like on paper, not like what they look like on the field, because Denver looks terrible Both. still, too. Yeah. No, I mean, Denver Durant, still looks better than the Rams. Yeah, it's probably true. But we're talking... <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of low-bar offenses out there, so... Um, the Jets yeah. even look better. Patriots look better. Stevenson and Jacoby Myers. I, I hesitated, but they look better. <laughs> I mean, that's might be the worst. We're at. Might be the worst. Brandon, Carolina, Carolina, because Baker Mayfield's back. Ooh. There you go. Boom. Gotcha. Nailed it. I didn't <laughs> think we were going to get there, but you got there. Worst <laughs> is Carolina. Then the Rams, the Cooper Cup loss is going to be brutal. And as Jake said, you're probably going to have to be aggressive out on the wire 
and out on the trade deadline is probably more of what it's going to be. Brandon, is there anything more that any of those guys do for you with the Rams? Is there any Van Jefferson hope? Is there any Allen Robinson boost? We don't really know at this moment how this show usually works. We'll probably find out the exact injury five minutes once we're done recording because that's been the MO for us. But I expect it's going to be a couple weeks and significant enough. But um, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, anybody do anything for you? No, I think Cooper Cup's really good because he's really good. I don't think he's ever been a product of the system. I just think he has an innate sense of where openings are. He can run, you know, deep, horizontal, slant routes, you know, out. He has eyes in the back of his head. He catches the ball, and he knows where the where the first down line is. Like, I just don't think that Allen Robinson has any close anywhere close to the kind of nuance and subtleties of the game that Cooper Cup brings to the table. I think, you know, Allen Robinson, the reason he hasn't been doing well is because they haven't been able to do much, a whole lot different with him. You know, they just keep trying to do the same thing and just get him, get him the ball, but it's, it's, it's not really working. So I, I just think they're screwed. I mean, Cooper Cup's a really good player, and I don't see anybody that's going to be able to elevate their game significantly to fill that gap. Jake, are you speculating at all as a well-known Twitter doctor? Are you uh, speculating at all on how long Cup is going to be out for? No, no, <laughs> zero, no. No, just just whatever is no. given to you is what is going to be. We'll watch yeah, out for it. I'm not that person. I'm not like people are like, well, when do you think this person gets back? I, mean, I same information everybody else has. We can only go by what the teams and doctors and the real life doctors that are on Twitter and trying to play third party. I say trying to play that wasn't supposed to be like a slanted <laughs> like a, like a jab at them or anything like that. But sure. they are. They are sitting on Twitter and analyzing what they see. Like, they're not actually, you know, seeing. I'll give you a perfect example. Look, we talked about it before the show. Just found out a Torton Rotator Cuff. The MRI people sent the MRI people to this specialist. They said they went through it, went through it, went through it. They don't really see anything, maybe a smidge of something. I get the report back today, and they say, yeah, we got the MRI report from them. There's another layer that's even deeper, blah, 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 and we see a tear. Like, if that doesn't tell you, like we're talking about like a high end institute around like a very highly regarded institute around me here. Very, very, very highly regarded. I'm not going to put the name out there because I want to be like, oh, the doctor couldn't see it. But point being, if they're even speculating between the two of them, what do you think people on Twitter are going to do? Not even getting the stuff in their hands. That's what I'm saying. So I'm yeah. not even going to approach saying, OK, I expect Cooper Cup back in four weeks. I I have no clue. With your original doctors, did you have that original Tua concussion doctor for your first ones? They're like, yeah, there's nothing there. And then the, uh, the second guy comes out. No, well, they did say we we see a sliver of something. We don't said know. A smidge, we don't really th- Jake, a smidge. Sliver, sliver, smidge just say the same thing. And they say we're going to wait back from the MRI, spe- like the actual them to compare. So is, they this did, a, they is this a video game injury? What happened? How do you have it? How do you have it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, what exactly it's, were you doing? Was, it was moving the 20 different mattresses I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, a couple other injuries. You kind of mentioned it. P.J. Walker is dealing with a... Screw you, Foster. (laughs) (laughs) P.J. Walker is dealing with a high ankle sprain, which means Baker Mayfield is back. And that also means that the fantasy options are gone in Carolina. No more D.J. Moore because Baker Mayfield doesn't know how to get it there. Uh, Deontay Foreman has been great. Is there any, like, actual change? uh, Baker Mayfield aside, is there any real fantasy change? Not that D.J. Moore was anything great. Okay, then what is it? Yeah, DJ Moore's not startable anymore. He was. Okay. He was so not you do great. I mean, yeah, like yesterday, he didn't have a great game, but he was still at second or third. I tweeted out early Monday morning of like the team target percentage, team air yard. Percentage. I'm going to find it real quick. Yeah, leaders in week 10 team air yard percentage. Number one was Christian Watson at 73.5, which is just 
an ungodly, absurd, not real number. That's a video game number right there. But DJ Moore checked in at 59.6, number two. Again, he's had over 50% of the team's air yards since we've had the switch to PJ Walker. And it didn't equate to anything last week, and it hasn't every single week. But at least it was something. At least we were getting usable weeks. Uh, now we're getting we're going back to you can't even really start DJ Moore outside of a wide receiver four play. DJ Moore was wide receiver 17 weeks, eight through 10. So the last three weeks, he's been a mid wide receiver two. And we're saying we're out. Uh, Brandon, are you out on DJ Moore with Baker Mayfield? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, we've seen this, we've seen this play out uh, and Terrace Marshall, the, you know, the little bit of a, you know, bubbling up we saw of him out on that. I mean, this team has been a good run blocking team. I expect him to lean heavily into Deonta Foreman uh, going forward, but yeah, it's just ugly. We, we we just got done naming this team the worst offensive looking team in the league. So, uh, I mean, you can't you can't if you, you're lucky if you can get one guy out of there. Yeah, maybe it would have won if PJ was still there. Maybe just maybe it would have beat the Rams, but uh, it is the worst. Baker Mayfield is back. The other injury is Zach Ertz expected to miss multiple weeks after suffering a knee injury. And the ever carousel of tight ends that you can start just continues to alter and change. And he is going to be out for some time. But let's talk about some of the games and that insane. This is even there's some fantasy stuff in here, but also just want to talk about the insanity of it. If you watched that Bills and Vikings game, that thing was nuts. First off, Justin Jefferson made the catch of the decade, an insane catch that when he threw it up, I was like, where'd the ball go? I was like, where's the incomplete on the ball? And he came down with it, an amazing one handed grab that somehow floated right above the ground when they hit the ground. It was incredible. That then moves into the crazy one-yard play where all the team has to do is successfully snap the ball. The Bills do and move a half an inch forward. They fumble the ball. The Vikings score a touchdown. Goes. It, you could have. You didn't nuts. have to move a half inch forward. You could have just taken a. You could have taken a, a safety there. It wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. You kick the ball away to them. Still, you still have the lead, and they would have to go like a long ways in like 30 seconds. You know, It was like the 1% outcome of what happened happened because any other resolution or any other thing that could have happened would have been better and would have yeah. ended up working out. It was absolutely bonkers of a game in general. So obviously I'm curious on uh, the game line from it, but Justin Jefferson is not made of this world, Brandon, and he mm-hmm. continues to look like the number one fantasy of everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you would... A normal Rams team, you would still be arguing with Cooper Cup, but I think at this point, given the injury, given the way the state of the Rams are, I don't think there's any question it's Justin Jefferson. And I, that catch was amazing, but you know, it just it speaks to his talent that he's just been you know showing out week in and week out. I'd still put the David Tyree catch um, over that one, you know, of ones that yeah, I've no, no, seen. Beckham. I, I actually might take that one over Odell Beckham. No, Odell yeah. Beckham did it falling away across his butt, like out there with three fingers and caught it clean. No, with nobody else, Od- but nobody else fighting for the ball. It was just no, him. He was but fighting with the defender. He had, but he had a, once he had his hand on it, it was, it was wide open and clear. Jefferson's hand was in with the defender and he had the to defender was his- pulling on his Jersey. Go back and look. It's Odell Beckham. Okay, well, either way, it's not number one for me. I, I'm going to go di- David Tyree, and then, we'll, you know, it's a gray area after that, but it's up there. It, it was still pretty amazing. I mean, you could well, argue Ju- Julian Edelman's in the Super Bowl is better than this. <laughs> ah, one of my favorite things about this is looking at the still image. Look at the still image of that picture, because what's so great about it is you're like, oh, it's a pretty good play by the defender. 
Except you think the defender is Justin Jefferson on there because the cornerback is up like he's just going to make a really good, nice little moss catch. Well, that's speaking of steel of image, that's the has. other part, too. Odell Beckham's got turned into a meme and a gif and a video for like years and on end. So that's <laughs> true. Time. Give it time. Jake, I'm curious about this, and I and I hate to give the credence to it because we know how big this head can get. But our buddy Pizapia was very much about like, oh, Justin Jefferson, number one, number like top five overall. Do you think that's uh, do do you do you fall into the, catch the warrant or player? Of, no, no, the player, the players in Justin Jefferson. He was like I think top five overall um, draft this year for Justin Jefferson. That was his big push over Cup, over Stephon Diggs, over anybody. Not just number one wide receiver, but top five overall. You think Justin Jefferson is going to walk out warranting like top five overall fantasy player this year? I think he's third as far as wide receiver goes, but second in points per game. Yeah. So, and before that game where Cup got hurt, it was still Cup. It was actually Diggs for a time, Cup for a time, Hill for a time. They've all kind of mixed and mashed. But this biggest thing, Justin Jefferson's never climbed over three this year, which I'm okay with. Like, I'm not, I'm not coming for Justin Jefferson. I'm just saying, like, it, it's what wide receiver is. You, you were picking your favorites here. I mean, if you want to talk in points per game, uh, I think Jamar Chase isn't too far off. You, like, if you only count before he got hurt in that game. So, look, Dynasty. Yeah, it's Jefferson, then Chase. It's been Jefferson, then Chase. And it's mostly because of age with Cup. If you want to talk about for one year right now, I think if you're talking about the best wide receivers in the NFL, you're talking about Jefferson. Because it, it kind of comes down to your taste, too. Like, you do you argue Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill are the best receivers in the NFL? Or do you like their dimensions of their game that you can take away, like that they don't have? Like DeAndre Hopkins, freaking beast if he's got a speed back, arguably the best talent in the NFL receiver-wise. But if he doesn't have the speed... He's lacking that compared to Jefferson. So all that being said, I think the argument ends with the two best receivers in the league are Jefferson and Chase. And heading into next year, if Cooper Cup's 100%, even with crappy Matthew Stafford, but still number one wide receiver. Like So those three, if you're talking next year, you want to take them with Saquon Barkley as a top five pick. I don't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it this year. So I don't think it's a necessarily well, a victory lap for anybody. No, it's not. I was just looking at Yahoo's draft results, uh, and Jefferson was five. And Cooper Cooper Cup was so there three. You go. So, so in the Yahoo leagues, he was top five. So something did uh, more anecdotal come out of this game to talk from a fantasy perspective. It's just fun to kind of talk about Jefferson for a minute. Naheem Hines doesn't exist. Still doesn't <laughs> exist. And I'm curious that you're traded nothing for him. <laughs> <laughs> at least they traded for him, and it was. Devin Singletary. No, nothing. Touchdowns. I was like, it was, yeah, it was nothing. What, that they gave why, up, are, so. why are we talking about Naeem Hines? Why is everybody talking about Naeem Hines? What was he, what were we expecting him to be in Buffalo that he wasn't in Indianapolis, which was an afterthought, no, you know, like a, Jay a, McKissick, a, yeah, Jared McKinnon. Like, but we don't talk about those guys all the time. We don't, we don't have to talk about them. I don't understand. No, but Hines. no, no, no. But there's a difference between talking about like, if you just said like today, like, okay, Jarek McKinnon just had a big game yesterday. Again, well, not big, but for what he is, an RB3, half point, full point PBR. If you just all of a sudden next week and it was Jarek McKinnon got zero snaps, 100% healthy, Jarek McKinnon week after that, zero snaps, 100% healthy, we'd be like, what the hell happened to Jarek McKinnon? I think that's the point. It's like, are we saying what the hell happened to Eno Benjamin? Because he went from. No, because that's a completely different situation. James Conner's always been the bell cow there. I think when you take an RB3 of. You were the biggest Naheem Hines fans in the world. Yeah, why are you so anti Naheem Hines right now? I think it's a. I'm saying you're not. He's a story. The fact that he's not getting any love in Buffalo is completely predictable. Like that. No, 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 but it's it's not mutually exclusive. Like, it's not necessarily like it's not surprising that he's not seeing work, but it's also surprise. You can also say to see that he has zero value. Like, wouldn't you say, Funston, the point here 
here, the story is, is there's no reason to hang on to Naeem Hines. A lot of people were still hanging on, hoping he still had Naeem Hines value. Yeah, I think that's definitely the point. I mean, that's one. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Point, yeah. yeah. Boom, but resolution. I don't, there we go. I don't know. If, we I don't it. know if it's a top three bullet point coming out of week 10. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think it's warranted. Uh, okay, okay, move it down. Not, I think, Chris, I think move it down. You pork chop sandwiches. Yeah, sorry. I'll move it down. Uh, <laughs> to number seven. Wanting to keep this as a little oh. topic in a game that we were talking about instead of coming back to it later. But let's move on to a bigger point then. We got some feisty weeks. S- spicy fun. Taking shots Jesus. at me like I don't exercise and then to telling you your bullet points are terrible. Oh, uh, good Lord. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, let's talk about a big running back change, at least from the starting perspective. Rashad White started over Leonard Fournette, and he had a game. Why wasn't this the number one bullet point? It was the first game on Sunday. (laughs) Should have done it over the injuries. It's actually something I didn't even know about because I was asleep when the game started. This is the game uh, overseas, and Rashad White got the start, went 22 for 108, compared to Leonard Fournette, who still got some run, 14 for 57, and a score. Leonard Fournette got banged up a little bit. I believe it was like in the latter half of the third quarter going into the fourth and the rest of the game. I, th- I think it was a hit pointer. But ultimately, Rashad White taking over that starting gig looked great and got a whole bunch of run. But Fournette did not disappear. So, Brandon, let's start with you with this headline topic. If you had to choose between Rashad White and Leonard Fournette to start moving forward, who are you going to go with? Yeah, I think because, you know, Rashad White actually got the start before Leonard Fournette was at, was hurt at all. Um, and because as I was looking at, you know, looking ahead at Leonard Fournette, he's got a four plus million dollar bump on his contract next year. I think Tampa's getting getting themselves set for, you know, Leonard Fournette to not be here and have Rashad White like cut his teeth and be ready to go. But I think ultimately they're still playing for the playoffs in the postseason. And I think both of these guys are going to be you know, worked in there equally, kind of like they were during the game until Fournette got hurt and they both were looking good. Fournette played well and then he got, then he got bounced because of the hit pointer. So I expect it just to be an equal mix. And I think we're here at about 50 50, maybe slightly favoring Rashad White going forward. Um, so yeah, I would, I would give White the slight edge here. Jake, can they both be trustable options moving forward? Can you get them both out in starting lineups? Yeah, because they are now Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. That's really what it comes down to is through the first three through first three quarters, uh, their snap rushes were 12 and 12 uh, Fournette, all 12 of his rush snaps. He did rush the ball 12 for 48 with the touchdown nine for 29 for white. But the passing was 10 for white and six for Fournette. As I say, first three quarters, because it's when the Fournette injury happened on the fourth. So it can't get like part of the fourth up to that point. But that kind of really tells you what it's looking at going forward. The overall snap percentage was 55 white, 45 Fournette. So uh, eight routes for white. He didn't get to have a target, though, in those first three quarters. So if you look at what he did, that gave you enough hope of what he handled 
in the or those first sorry first half sorry because the third quarter um the fourth quarter was what we really saw from white for the upside of what fonson is talking about so yeah i think you see the explosiveness you saw some nice runs from him uh he basically took the lunch money from Condre Diggs on that one play and looked great oh, and i would say yeah, yeah. To, to, I say Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are my comparison here because, like Ezekiel Elliott, the goal line work you're going to need the touchdown from Leonard Fournette with only about 50% of the work. The higher, probably upside for most weeks is going to be white if this is the true role he's in. If both are healthy, obviously. If both are healthy. Uh, another running back split situation is very fascinating, and Jake had a great tweet about it that you can cite in this was the 49ers usage of not just Christian McCaffrey, but the returning Eli Mitchell. And my tagline for this is WTF, because we just traded the world for Christian McCaffrey. I love me some Eli Mitchell, but the 49ers had Eli outrush CMC. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had 14 carries in the game, 38 yards and a touchdown. He also caught four for 39 to Eli's 18 carries for 89. And one of the craziest thing as a 49er fan of watching this game, it's one of those things where when I was watching the game, I was like, are they not calling the right plays or blocking for Christian McCaffrey? Or does Eli Mitchell just look so much better? Because every time they gave the ball to CMC, a hole was breaking down. It didn't look like a great play. And you had these almost zone blocking schemes that were set up for Eli Mitchell, and he looked explosive. So I just don't know if it was uh, a coincidence in play calling or what it was, but it was frustrating because Eli Mitchell looked fantastic in that one. So, Jake, let's start with you because uh, you could talk about the splits. And do you have any worry about this being a split backfield in San Francisco? Uh, mild. It's not going to take Christian McCaffrey from being a top 10 running back, maybe even top five. Uh, you actually retreated the, the one that I was talking about the other one. So you retreated the one, which is this just straight up snap percentage versus the passing game and the goal lines, rushes and all that type of stuff. The more interesting one I found that kind of got buried, it seems, is the score differential. So when the Chargers were up by four or more, so over a field goal, 75% of the snaps for Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, only 25%. When it was game neutral, which is a field goal to field goal both ways, Christian McCaffrey, 58%, Elijah Mitchell, 42 When San Francisco was up by a field goal or more, which you just retweeted, I saw live. Yeah, I like Christian it. Christian McCaffrey, 36% Elijah Mitchell, 64%. The reason why I say probably still top five for Christian McCaffrey, still getting some of the goal line use or so, more goal line use than Elijah Mitchell. But if you look at their schedule going forward, it's pretty favorable for the 49ers where maybe they don't have a, you know, a touchdown lead every single week. And again, I'm not knocking Christian McCaffrey outside of the top five discussion. It's just outside of the number one, which we two, I myself included, said he's now back in the conversation to be the number one running back. I don't think he is anymore. Like if you told me December only, and this is what I said in all in football, and I'm curious about Funston's and your thoughts. As I said, this is where you might be able to take advantage of trading for or away Christian McCaffrey. You could trade for him if people are worried about Shanahan again, and people are going to treat him as a low end RB1. But you might be able to also trade away Christian McCaffrey if they still think he is in the conversation to be number one because of this concern. And maybe you pick up a Derrick Henry plus because of look at Tennessee's December schedule. And what does Derrick Henry do in, in December? He destroys the league. Maybe you get a piece plus. And I think that's the interesting ways. Maybe with the trade deadlines coming, you could go either way with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Brandon, I mean, it's all this, the great questions uh, posed by Jake there as well. And I would also just throw in the likelihood that Eli Mitchell can maintain value in your eyes. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, A, Shanahan 
always like to have multiple multiple running backs. Like even with Christian McCaffrey there, I think it's still he likes to you know rotate people in. I'm wondering how much is going to be maintenance because this is a team that legitimately has Super Bowl aspirations. Like how much of this is just maintenance to get to the regular season finish line? Uh, like are we going to be a whole lot worse if we give Eli Mitchell forty percent or thirty five percent of the overall touches? You know, so that we're kind of minimizing the workload on Christian McCaffrey. Um, and I, that might speak to when they actually have a lead is where they're feeling like, okay, that might be where we don't need to use McCaffrey as much. And I, that, so that's mm-hmm. an interesting take there. The other thing is, is there's just not enough football to go around in San Francisco. We haven't talked about George Kittle one for 20 and Debo Samuel getting like two catches and he gets a few carries, but like it's really become like this backfield in Brandon Ayuk, you know, and, and, and like, so, yeah, it's it's a kind of it's, it's not enough ball to go around. Garoppolo loves uh, Ayuk. That I mentioned that some weeks ago on a show that Debo was a sell to me, and uh, Debo is not going to be as involved in this offense. And and you know, I I hate to say it, I agree with uh, the theory that you said, Jake, about trading McCaffrey to get plus. But that was last week. You know, this week this is going to be the rough week to move McCaffrey that that window is probably gone because Eli Mitchell taking that type of run you're going to have panickers because Christian McCaffrey didn't you know throw and catch and receive for a touchdown last week was definitely an ultimate situation where you could get plus and I think that should always be a strategy in any type of a redraft format is capitalizing at any cost and McCaffrey would have been exactly one of those examples as much as I love him as much as I think he's going to continue to get run you do forget Eli Mitchell is an incredibly talented back, and he showed that last night. You know, he was hitting holes, breaking 10-yard runs, and if you can minimize him to, you know, under 15 carries, he might actually stay healthy as well. And he he probably has that low-end flex option every single week. You're going to be able to put him out there because the Niners do want to run the ball, and they ran it 32 times between these two backs, which sure didn't feel like it because they had drives where they were just throwing the ball left and right. So Christian McCaffrey... Don't worry, Eli Mitchell, you actually are kind of saved a little bit. You can throw him back out there in your flex spots and hopefully feel good. We talked about this last week. We saw a bigger piece of it in this. Uh, there's a lot of these right now, these running back share situations. Jeff Wilson, who we talked about, uh, former 49ers, 17 carries, 119 yards, and a score with a 61% snap share over Raheem Mostert, who ended up going eight, only eight, for 65, but he did have a touchdown. And interestingly enough, though, both of these running backs turned in top 10 RB fantasy performances this past week. So kind of uh, the theme of the episode, Brandon, we've talked about both of these guys. You know, we we already hit the Jeff Wilson looks like the top back and we were ahead of that and we're right. But are both of these guys going to be trustable RBs you're going to throw out on a week in a week out basis? Well, I mean, this is, you know, this is San Francisco DNA. This is similar to the CMC Elijah Mitchell discussion. And um, but we also have to point out that the last two games have been against Chicago and Cleveland. They're about as bad as it gets in terms of their ability to limit running backs, at least for fantasy purposes. And you look at their schedule going forward. Two of their next three are really soft. There's a San Francisco game at San Francisco in there. Um, but there's Houston and I want to say like the Chargers or somebody else. You get a matchup like I would keep playing that as a matchup. If it's San Francisco, I'm probably going to pull back a little bit and just and, and go with Jeff Wilson and maybe hesitate a little bit about Raheem Mostert. But 
I think, yeah, the way the system is and how much distraction Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle create uh, to help Tua in the running game, I think that's just going to be ever-present. Brandon, in a vacuum, who would you rather start rest of season, Raheem Mostert or Eli Mitchell? Uh, I honestly am going to lean Eli Mitchell because I think I think 49ers, when they can run the ball 30 times, they will. They'll take that opportunity to do it. And I just, you know, don't feel quite the same way about Miami. But I, I think I'm going to lean Mitchell a little bit. Jake, uh, both of those running backs, Jeff Wilson looks great. Looks like he's the top dog. Raheem Mostert still getting touchdowns. Can you start both even on matchups? Uh, that's what I said last week. Start them both. And, but I would say if you do think there's a potential, uh, how, how much have we looked at their schedule? I mean, we know they're on by. You're not starting either of them this week. <laughs> so. two, two of the next three are good, but there's a San Francisco game wedged in there that's at San Francisco. So I know. See, well, no, this is actually where I was going to go. Um, I'm actually thinking the opposite. It'll call me crazy. Like I think Houston's not necessarily you start bull because I, I don't want Mostert unless I know they're going to be trying to play and pass a little bit more and go for it. Like I like San Francisco. Like I know San Francisco's defense is worrisome, so I don't disagree with you there. But even Buffalo's defense, like I'd rather see them to play both of them. I'd rather see San Francisco, Los Angeles. The Bills pack like that's the rest of our schedule. Packers and then New England and New England you can run on this year. I'd actually rather play them. So yes, the rest of the season Mostert, but I don't love Mostert after the bye against Houston because I think this just could be like runaway Jeff Wilson because that's where his value is. Like Mostert's more in the passing game. Only had eight rushes to his four. Was it four receptions on four targets? So yeah. that's a little bit of my concern there. I mean, call me crazy, but that's a little. I mean, his snap percentage was fifty eight percentage. His rush percent was twenty eight. So that's where I think that Mostert needs a little bit bigger of a game, like not cakewalk for Miami. Mostert or Mitchell for rest of the season? I agree with Fonson on that. I would take Mitchell over Mostert because I think his schedule, what we talked about just before with Christian McCaffrey, the usage from Shanahan, even though people call him Shanahan, like Shanahan again, like that's more predictable, especially with their schedule. It's it's close, though. I'm and not and say by the way, you also have to factor in, what if Jeff Wilson and Christian McCaffrey were to both get hurt? Who would you rather have? And you'd still... That that is still, hard. still Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. 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 Although Mostert was close, but yeah, it's still be Elijah Mitchell. The odds of all four of them, they, Elijah Mitchell is the most likely to get hurt again, though. Like, especially right, if he's exactly. going to get 15 touches a week. Yeah. <laughs> not one's, yeah, I was about to say, not one safe on the injury front from any of those four backs. All of them have had their injury stuff. I know. They're uh, like, this is, this makes a lot of sense. Keep Christian McCaffrey healthy. Why are you giving him 18 carries in his first game back? Yeah, I know. I couldn't understand it. I was like, where is Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> How about some wide receiver talk? The number two fantasy performance from a wideout this weekend went to Christian Watson. Just how you all planned it. Four catches, 170 mm -hmm. yards, and three touchdowns. What I really liked? Eight targets. Love to see the eight targets. Love to get them out there. But it's very Christian Watson. Only catch half of them. So is the Christian Watson breakout upon us? Jake Seeley. Uh, his name is Christian Watson the third now from after that game. So he is we're making him the third. I don't care what his lineage is. The the I it's here. We've been waiting for it. But it really came down to the fact there's like so many injuries for the Packers and they kept needing somebody to step up, step up, step up. And he finally did. The thing here is what do we know? Drops mean jack so like like everybody worried about Jamar Chase with the jobs. Everybody worried about Deontay Johnson, who then got benched that one year in the game for his drops. And then after that game was Top 10 wide receiver the rest of the year. Like, 
Drops mean nothing. Yes, drops are frustrating because we see plays lost. They are frustrating because sometimes the quarterback won't go back to him. But Aaron Rodgers has gone back to Christian Watson time and again despite said drops. The very first play of the game, we re- remember that clearly the earlier the season. Drops it. Big play. Left on the field. And he still goes back to him. He wants an answer. The answer was always Alan Lazard, but there was always an answer for a number two on this team. Christian Watson always had the most upside. It's just he couldn't stay healthy and couldn't get into the mix. But now, like I said, when you have so many options that he was forced to stay on the field and forced to be out there, sure, does he only catch 50-60% of his passes? Yeah, okay. You know who else does that? Gabe Davis, Deshaun Jackson back in his prime. Like, I don't care. Like, I'll, I'll take him as a wide receiver three going forward. I feel like we've talked about these uh, Packers wide receivers all season long. It's always been somebody else, and it's always been uh, trying yeah. to place a wide receiver three for our fantasy teams off of the real number two in Green Bay. So, Brandon, are you going to place Christian Watson as a wide receiver three moving forward? Um, I guess you have to. I think there's this is a Peak Valley kind of pickup, though, um, and, or, a, or a play. It's like you, you know, you get the – Week two, Drake London, eighty-six yards and a touchdown, or or it just goes away. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, you know, it happens a lot in Green Bay. It happens a lot with the rookie receivers. They'll spike and then they'll disappear. In Green Bay, it was Romeo Dobbs. You know, I still think Alan Lazard rules the day here, and I think Jake does too. But you can't deny with Dobbs out of the equation and, and Watson being healthy that he's going to get his opportunities. Do I? Am I like? Would I rather be riding on Donovan? you know, Donovan Peoples Jones or Christian Watson the rest of the way where Peoples Jones has just has been like so consistent, but not like massively, you know, putting up huge numbers, just kind of consistent numbers. Or do you want like this spike from Watson with, you know, a little bit lower floor? It's, you know, it's an argument. I, I'm probably with Jake where I would lean Watson, but because it's tied to the better quarterback, but Sean Watson is just around the corner. Well, the How answer about- Donovan Peoples Jones is just playing on the road. I know, but do you really believe that now? Like, I I do after yesterday because Amari Cooper roads home road splits are the same. He had a down game. Miami was the best possible matchup for Amari Cooper. the The way that they play, the man coverage that Cooper is obliterated, and especially because they play a lot of three deep. This was a Cooper like Rich Rebar and I joked on Twitter on like Thursday or Friday because we were doing the DFS show with Joe Holcomb. We were just saying like, what do we put more weight into the anomalous home road splits or the fact of what Cooper does versus man coverage? But then yet again, Donovan Peoples Jones on the road and nothing for Cooper. It's weird. Is it any weirder than Ben Roethlisberger's home road splits back in the day? Yeah, it, it is. But then I feel like that. <laughs> just kind of faded away, you know, in his last year or two, but he faded away. But it was like three years straight that he did it though. Yeah. Let's finish out with some waiver wire talk, Jake. Let's start with you. Um, There's actually a topic point that I cannot talk about here because this guy shows up on your waiver wire near the top, your top three, and then we'll go to Brandon's. What do you got for an early waiver wire look for week 11? So people are waiting, like the stock market on Isaiah Pacheco was like, Aaron Rappaport made it go through the roof and people went nuts and then nothing really happened. And people were like, well, I guess I'm dropping him again. It's a complete timeshare mix and all three of them involved and all. And that was frustrating. But then what happened this past week? Jared McKinnon, questionable, questionable, game day decision, and then plays. That's not even the talking point here. The talking point is Clyde edwards is done. Like nothing. And what do we see? Pacheco in the passing game. He doesn't show up. You know why? Because he's the literally down, short yards. That's who he is. Jarek McKinnon got all the passing game work. Clyde Edwards-Alaire got two targets, zero receptions, zero rushes. So what do we have going forward? 
we have the lead guy and the pass catcher. On the Chiefs, I'm going to want the lead guy. I'm going to want the lead guy as an RB2. I know it's risky because we've seen it already go south before. Not too different from 49er situations. At all, but, but I think Pacheco, if this continues, which yesterday would point to it continuing, if this continues, Pacheco's now an RB2. He is the top waiver pick who's under 50%. I thought I thought for sure Funston would have that because he loves his under 50%. I thought you would have that as your number one, Funston. Well, it's still it's still the Chiefs. I still expect, you know, the the rug to get pulled out from underneath me. But it's also the other thing is is this is like middle like middle class Damian Pierce or something because like they literally don't throw him the ball. Like he he has sixty right. carries and three but it's the Chiefs three, and three targets. Like so he's getting a target every twenty carries. Like but it's the Chiefs, but they they But they hold on, hold on real quick. Real is quick. Is he gonna ever I'm get ask more you a question? Than, okay. No, legit, like, because you brought up Damian Harris. Let's say Damian Harris is healthy today. Going forward, if, again, don't say the rug pulled out. I want to, of course, we're making assumptions. So I'm making an assumption for this conversation. Going forward, Damian Pierce, or Damian, Damian Harris healthy, Isaiah Pacheco in this role is the Damian Harris role. Wouldn't you rather have Pacheco? Yes, I guess. Um, it's close. I, would, okay. I think most weeks I'm going to rank Pacheco like, RB 24, 25 and Damian Harris, like RB 26, 27. It's going to be that. Close okay. For me, okay. So. But I think the Damian Harris is a very good comparison. Uh, real quick. We actually got breaking news on our show, guys. The, oh. Don't fall out of your chairs. Leonard Furness not expected to miss any time. So there you go. So Gus Edwards got dropped in a lot of leagues because of his injury on the bye. Uh, I would actually take Pacheco behind bus if I knew going forward. But Gus Bus, the reason I have Pacheco in front of him is because we're assuming Edwards is healthy after the bye. If I knew he was healthy after the bye, I would take Gus Edwards over Pacheco. And then White. And then if you want a wide receiver option with what happened to Juju Smith-Schuster and that disgusting hit, I'd like I, he went for him. I don't think he meant to hurt, hurt him like that. It meant to be a hard hit. That being said, Kadarius Tony, this is what we're waiting for his opportunity. I think Hardman and Valdez-Scantling stay the same. They kind of just sit where they were. Uh, Hardman has to come back, but if the one can leapfrog them into that slot role to get the, I think Tony, like this is what we're waiting for. I think Tony has top five, top 25 upside. Do I think it definitely happens? Of course, it's no guarantee, but I would take Tony over Hardman and MVS with no Juju Smith-Schuster for the upside also, alone. Also, I thought it was like a, like a mistake when they're like his first career touchdown. And I was like, you guys mean first Chiefs no. touchdown, right? And then no. it's like, no, career. no, first career. And it's like, my God, my and when, God. Was he only had like 200 yards with the Giants. Was he throwing shade at the Giants when he did his little hamstring dance? I don't know. I will say he 100% fooled me. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, my oh, God, yeah. he got himself hurt again. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. All right, Brandon, your top three. Um, where do you yeah. have uh, maybe any of these guys that Jake just talked about? All of them. I have a little redundancy, but I, I, you know, he just talked about Pacheco and Gus Edwards. I have him on the list. We've talked about Rashad White, who is number one uh, on my list, and he's right around fifty percent owned. Uh, I will say Donovan Peoples Jones. We talked about him uh, definitely on the road. I still think that he's probably got something to offer at, at home, especially with Deshaun Watson coming into the picture soon. I will say Paris Campbell. Matt Ryan's back. Guess what? Paris Campbell's done the last three games with Matt Ryan. He scored a touchdown in each. He's got seven catches or more in each, and he's averaging close to 70 yards in each, getting getting a ton of volume from Matt Ryan. So if you look at those last three games, I mean, you have to go after Paris Campbell with the way the usage has been with Matt Ryan at quarterback. I completely agree. And friends, that is going to do it for the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you follow the fellas on Twitter at All In Kid and Brandon Funston. 
You can follow me at Is It The Welsh. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of it because we'll be back later this week to talk ranks for everything week 11 and subscribe to The Athletic so you get Jake's waiver wire article, the robust waiver wire article coming out on uh, like a late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning at midnight. It's easy to go into Wednesday. That is it for us. Bye-bye.